And we read in Exodus chapter 35, verses 30 to 35, this. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bethazel, son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with kind, all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work, as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Humanity was born to create. We see this most clearly in children who freely create their own little worlds with toys, with pictures of loved ones on on a blank page with crowns or markers or glue and glitter. At my house, there's way too much glitter. They, they create stories that explore the depths of their imagination. Sometimes, for kids, even mud can become a pie. Even sand can become a castle. When I was a kid, I absolutely loved, and frankly, I still love, playing with Legos. Because they can be arranged in a million ways that not even the directions that came with the box, uh, that came with the set, had even considered. Uh, There's a reason for this. In 1958, the inventor reorganized production on a simple principle that he called a system of play. Every piece of Lego brick, no matter the size or shape, no matter if it's made in the 1959 or 2023, should be able to interlock with any other. This move unlocked the potent creativity of children across the globe who discovered they could create literally anything that came into their heads. But the creative potential doesn't end in childhood. This is something we carry into our lives as adults. While we might step away from some expressions of creativity as we grow older, author uh, Paul Pastor writes that humans are innate creators. There's no place we go in the world that we don't leave our mark, the mark of human presence and culture. Whatever our branch of endeavor, concrete or abstract, it's impossible for us not to make something out of nothing, to make our world more meaningful. Every aspect of our culture and civilization flows from this basic creative impulse that that resides in all of us, not just Artists or poets or musicians or storytellers, but carpenters and engineers and architects and landscapers and city planners and teachers. Even if we've never crafted raw materials into something new, our very language reveals our fundamental inclination to create. And I'm not just talking about a book or composing a poem about the beauty of human existence either. Uh, linguists, the people who study language, have uh, declared, have asserted that everyone who has acquired a simple ability to communicate has at least once, this is a conservative estimate, has at least once uttered a completely original sentence. Okay? 
a combination of words that no one else has created. How many of y'all think you have done this? Yes, you have. Okay, they're saying everybody at some point in their lives, just by virtue of putting words together, has created something entirely unique. Had we not spoken that thought, it would have never been said in that particular way. In the same way, there's never been a garden quite like the one that you planted. There's never been a living room or a home with furniture positioned that you thought best, a meal prepared just the way that you like it, or a life built just like yours. The creativity that flows from that deep part of us takes many forms, all beautifully unique. The engineers and scientists building rockets so we might step foot on the planet Mars have just as much vision as all of the artists. As we see in our scripture today, the Holy Spirit works hand in hand with humanity to create beautiful things for the kingdom of God. In a short description of skilled workers tasked with building the tabernacle as the people of Israel travel to the promised land, we see how the Spirit creates and shapes our lives in three distinct ways. The first one is perhaps uh, the most revolutionary. First, the Spirit of God transforms the human heart to become temples of God's presence, directing our creativity to build the kingdom of God. And we're going to get into the history of what the tabernacle is and what it's for. So before the Holy Spirit arrived at Pentecost, the tabernacle and later the temple Solomon built in Jerusalem was the one place the Jewish people knew God's presence could always be found. While the presence of God occasionally worked in and through individuals in Israel's history, the tabernacle was specifically designed so the Spirit of God might dwell near his people. For the Israelites, the tabernacle was the only place on the entire planet where heaven and earth overlapped. Traveling through the wilderness, these craftsmen were recruited to construct not some bland utilitarian building or tent. Uh, That wasn't the goal. They were trying to craft a holy place with the plans given to Moses by God himself. Yahweh commands earlier in Exodus uh, 25, 8 to 9, Let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. The following patterns, and actually a very large part of Exodus, provide specific architectural plans for its construction. Not just where the walls should go, but what materials should be used, the colors of linen, the lighting, even the decorations, what they should be. If you read these instructions carefully, however, Yahweh, we see something interesting, that Yahweh clearly wants the design to remind his children of the seven days of creation, when God's presence not only filled a tent, but the entire universe. Moses needed people who could intuitively understand how to create a physical space that echoed the supernatural presence of God's Spirit. This unique blending would help the people remember their Lord's mercy and grace, that he had come to bless his children, that he hadn't abandoned them when they'd sinned, and there was a plan still in place to fill the entire world with God's Spirit still. 
Moses recommends two workers with exactly those skills, but surprisingly, these two gentlemen are already filled with the Spirit of God. Now, this is a bit of a surprise. The implied contradiction here should startle us. They are building a place for the Spirit of God to dwell. And they're doing this because the sin present within all humanity prevented God from dwelling within the hearts of his people. Ever since the garden, God's presence had stood at a distance, not because God didn't want a relationship with his children, not because he didn't want to enter into their hearts, but because no sinner can encounter a holy God and live. The problem isn't with God wanting to come close to us. The problem rests inside of us. When Jacob wrestled with the Lord in Genesis 32, he marveled at God's mercy, declaring, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. He knew that if God had revealed his full glory, if he had wrestled with Jacob and used his, uh, all of his strength, Jacob would have perished. When Moses asks to see the face of God in Exodus 33, the Lord reminds him, you cannot see my face. For no one may see me and live. With the tabernacle, the Lord promises to be near his people, but restricts their access by separating the center room, known as the Holy of Holies, with a floor-to-ceiling veil or curtain that only the high priest was able to enter. The workers, being filled with the Spirit of God before the tabernacle had even been built, points us forward points us forward to how Jesus frees the Holy Spirit to eventually live in the hearts of all his children. At the death of Jesus, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, leaves the temple, the curtain, that veil that separated the Spirit of God from the people is torn in half from top to bottom. And then at Pentecost, that same spirit enters the hearts of God's people, uniting believers to God's presence, writing his law on their very hearts. As one pastor put it, believers are tangibly transformed into mobile temples, carrying God's presence with them into the regular routines of their own lives, but also the ends of the earth. The spirit no longer rested in the tabernacle, it rested in the heart's of his children and those and the children of God. Believers of Jesus took that spirit across the globe. Paul explicitly says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? The creativity of those tasked to build their tabernacle serves as a metaphor for the transformation that happens in Jesus. Shaped by the Spirit, they create what all people become in Jesus, living, moving temples where God's presence might reside. Second, the Holy Spirit empowers the children of God to use our gifts and skills to build the kingdom of God in our broken world. Through the Spirit, God shapes us so we might help him shape the world. Notice we learned very little about uh, Betzael or Olihab as people. We don't know a whole lot about them except what they could do. 
But they, they knew precisely what to do with the designs Yahweh gives to Moses. They not only create something holy from the raw materials of this broken world, they also teach and inspire others to create something so beautiful, even God would delight in their creation. The same Holy Spirit that directed their hands creating the tabernacle still leads us today. The creativity we have flourishes best when we help shape this world into God's kingdom. The Holy Spirit who operates in and through us teaches us not only how to create on a generic level, but how to remake this world into a reflection of eternity to build in our lives outposts of the kingdom. Author Andy Crouch writes uh, that while there is certainly a kind of creation only God can do, creating something out of literally nothing, we are still ordained to work with the raw materials God has given us to create something new. Just like the craftsmen of the tabernacle, we use the broken materials of a broken world to show the power of our God. We are shaped by the Holy Spirit so we might shape the world in ways that reflect God's promises to all people. That he has come to save and redeem our broken world. Despite the messes we might have made in this life. Or even the messes that we've inherited from others. The Spirit moves through believers to make this world more like his kingdom. Every moment of our lives, we are given opportunities to use our own gifts to make this world more beautiful and good, more honest, to make it kinder. We are called to establish peace and restore hope, to love others like Jesus loves us, creating new patterns that run against the patterns of our broken world. That is what we are called to create, to build his kingdom here. N.T. Wright frames this mission of of, of remaking, of creating the kingdom like this. The witness of the church consists, as it is always done, in living within the present world according to new rule, the new rules of the ascended Lord, living in faith, hope, love, putting into practice the generous self-giving love, which is the core of Jesus' own message living out the Beatitudes day by day, demonstrating to the world that there is a different way to be human, a new way of charity and chastity, a way of patience and prudence, a way of joy and justice, that it works. This new way works. This new way is life-giving, that it is creative and cheerful and colorful and bubbles up like the Spirit himself all over the place and all of the time. In Jesus, we learn the world is not beyond repair. And we are each called to live in ways that remind the world that hope remains for this place we call home. Through the Spirit, we are given the tools and insight and knowledge, just like these craftsmen, to help God make this world more like his kingdom. Finally, the story of Bethsaida reveals that anyone can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Each of us are called in our own way to make a difference for the kingdom of God. 
No matter our gifts, no matter how small our contributions might seem, the Holy Spirit will use the gifts and talents of every believer. It is something that happens when we believe in Jesus. In that time, just like today, everyone had their own sets of talents and gifts, but not everyone was full of the Holy Spirit and the way these two craftsmen were. After Jesus, however, the Holy Spirit fills all who believe, and that means that everyone can make a difference. Andy Crouch frames the the power every person has in the Spirit by telling a story about a swing in his backyard. He writes, Our ability to change the world is really a matter of scale. A few years ago, my father hung a swing from a tree uh, limb 20 feet high in our backyard for our children to use. My kids have spent countless hours swinging back and forth, scuffing their feet on the lawn at the bottom of each oscillation. Not surprisingly, there is no lawn under the swing. There's just a dusty circle marking the gradually lengthening reach of their feet. At this scale, every human being changes the world daily. I would even go further. Every choice we make in this life either helps us, helps to usher in or prevent the kingdom of God taking root in this world. Our lives, how we speak, how we act, how we treat others, our testimonies to how we have changed the world for the better or how we have made it worse. At the conclusion of the novel Middlemarch, author George Eliot reviews the main character's life. From the outside, this woman seems to live out the rest of her days in quiet peace. But we learn that she spent her days doing good in her own small ways, which altered the course of the world. Eliot writes this. This, I think, is a, one of the best closings of any novel ever written. She writes this. The effect of her being on those around her was incalculably dis- diffusive. For the growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts. And that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest now in unvisited tombs. Jesus assures us that with the Spirit's help and guidance, we too will be recognized like Bethelo and Olia, using our gifts to make this world more like God's kingdom. As the Spirit shapes us, and the Spirit does shape us, We too will shape the world. Just like they created a temple that housed God's presence, our lives become a spiritual spring for God's blessings to flow into the world around us. If we could look at a spiritual map of our region, each of us would be a tangible location where their Holy Spirit might not just be found, but found moving. Found active, found alive, found creating. We see this clearly in the early church and throughout church history. But in the early church, believers were known as people of the way because of how they interacted with the world and the ways that Jesus commanded. Early believers cared for those 
in Roman, that Roman society had forsaken. They took care of widows and orphans who had been abandoned. They put their lives on the line for the less fortunate. They extended compassion, not just to their friends and neighbors, but to their enemies. They were always running into the dark places of the world, bearing the light Jesus had placed inside them. And they were known for how they loved one another and others. And the love they shared in their own lives changed the world. The same power rests in us today. Remade by the Spirit, we are called to create patterns of the kingdom in our own life so the whole world might know and glorify our God. We have each been restored for a purpose. So church, let us build the kingdom of God today, not with stones and fine wood and linen, although sometimes that happens. But the love and grace and joy and hope that Jesus has given to each of us. That is our calling. That is our joy. Hallelujah. Amen.